Hey there, and welcome to the podcast of Real Life Spokane. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We hope this podcast encourages you and points you closer to Jesus. Let's jump in. I want to talk about freedom. Uh, this whole month is all about freedom because we kick off 22. We really had just this passion to go, hey, how do Jesus people live in the freedom that Jesus has provided? Here's what we believe fundamentally as a church is that you and I are born with a sinful, rebellious attitude towards God. It's an attitude that leads us to rebel from God's leadership in our life. We do what we want, when we want, how we want it. This is called our sinful nature. And this nature we are born with and it is always leading us to do our own thing. That nature separates us from God. You can't be in relationship with God. You can't be close to God with that kind of rebellion going on in your heart. And so God doesn't sit at a distance and judge you, critique you, hate you, kick you to the curb. He loves you. And he has a plan and a purpose for each of us. And so he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to earth to walk in our shoes, sinless and perfect. Everywhere that we've fallen, Jesus stood up. Everywhere that we've tripped up, Jesus stayed strong, and he walked sinless and perfect to become the perfect substitution for you and I. The Bible says the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, he came to walk sinless and perfect so he could take our sin on himself. He who knew no sin actually became sin so that in him we might become righteous with God, right with God. And because of that, we are given this opportunity to be free. You no longer have to be carried along by your sinful nature. For freedom, Christ has set us free. That truth is real, and it's powerful, and it's life-changing. And many of you have experienced the bonds of sin and its nature in you being broken, and you felt uh, a release from some of the old attitudes, the addictions, the things that have controlled your life, the bitterness or the hatred, whatever it was. But, but still, there's these places where freedom is lacking in our lives. That's what I want to lean into. Those are the places I want to get after as Jesus people when we head into this year, because Jesus has set you free. Sin no longer has power over your life if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. But many of us don't live free. We still act like a slave to our sinful nature. And I believe that God wants us to walk in the freedom that he has already paid for by his death on that cross and his resurrection from the dead. That freedom is for all of us to walk in, but we get stuck sometimes. And one of the places that we get stuck in is, is with our money, with finances. Paul says uh, to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says in verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. This love of money uh, for many of us is, is a thing that we're wrestling with. Money's a weird deal as it is. It's, it's a tool, like you have to have it, right? You have to make it so you can spend it, so you can buy food, so you can go to Costco and get pizza. You can, right? You, praise Jesus for Costco pizza. No, I'm just, I'm on an island out on that one. But I, I think about like money, it's just a tool. You have to have it. It's part of our economy. It's part of our commerce. Um, but, but it's also a trap. 
If we're not careful, money can lure us into a place where we believe our only hope is in that money or getting enough or more or more than what we used to have or more than what they have and, or, or keeping up with whatever everybody else is thinking that we should have. And, and this, this money thing is a weird deal and it ebbs and flows. We find ourselves um, in places of, of plenty. We find ourselves in places of debt. We find ourselves completely controlled by money. We find ourselves completely free from the love of money. And I think as, as this conversation unfolds today, just know that there's a ton of grace in all of this. Uh, I know in our family, there's just this constant ebb and flow. You, you end up, you save up enough for an emergency fund, and then an emergency happens. You're like, great, right? All of that work and then it's gone or, or, or whatever the circumstance. Maybe you feel like you're making more money than you've ever made, but because the way our economy is right now, it feels like it's going less and less, like expensive um, pizza at Costco or whatever it is, you know? It's just, it's all inflated, it's all grown, and, and I know that those ebbs and flows are real in our life, and so it's important to just put a lot of grace on this conversation, but also... Uh, I've been talking to people after. I've got two services under my belt already. You're number three. And one of the insights that I'm finding is that this is still a very sensitive subject for us as people. Don't tell me about my money. <laughs> it, it, it's sensitive. Like toes get stepped on. You know, Jesus talked about money only second to the kingdom of God. Number one thing Jesus talked about was the kingdom of God. Number two he talked about was money. Jesus cares about you being free from the love of money. He is constantly warning and pushing on us to not fall into the trap of this love of money. Paul says it in verse 10, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Money's not evil, but, but, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Listen, this is why he's so worried. Some people eager for money have wandered from Jesus. They've wandered from the faith and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. So the warning is a warning of love. It's a, it's a moment of, of, of reality, us going, wow, have I fallen in love with money? Have I allowed my heart to be consumed with the where I want to be financially? Have I, have I kind of enamored myself with worldly possessions or way I want this life to go financially? And am I bound up by it? Or am I free? Am I walking in the freedom that God has invited us to walk in? The freedom that Christ has declared over every one of our souls, not being controlled by this sinful nature, but free to become who he made us to be. See, God saved you for a purpose. Grayson did such a good job last week, didn't he, preaching on this, that, that you are his masterpiece. You are set apart to do the good things that God planned long ago for you to do. And sometimes this lack of freedom with finances keeps us from the good things that God planned for us to do. And so this conversation is all about us being free from this love of money, becoming who God made us to be. Money is a tool but it's also a trap. And this warning is for you and I just to go, okay, let me evaluate for a minute where money lands in this heart. And so I'm gonna ask you to, to check your motives in this conversation, why you do what you do, why you make the money, why you get after that new job, why you're doing, is it wrong to have money? No, is it wrong to get after the new job? No, is it wrong to be successful? No, none of that is wrong, but why you do those things is really important to evaluate. And that's really this, this conversation today because I believe God wants you to be free. 
bound up no matter how much you have or get or obtain at one point if you are not free from the love of money and none of that is going to matter at all and i believe that god made us for freedom so so the biblical picture that's in first timothy chapter six is also in philippians four is this word called contentment if you're taking notes today contentment is the key to freedom if you're looking for freedom from the love of money, contentment is the magic word that God teaches us throughout Scripture. Philippians 4, Paul says, same author as 1 Timothy 6. We'll come back to that in a moment. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I think that's such an important opening statement there because many of us would be content if things went the way we want them to go. That's not what he's saying. He's saying whatever the circumstances, I have learned to be content. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. You know you need contentment in both places. I think that's so important. Some people, if you're in need today, it's easy to think about contentment when I get there. But those of you that are in plenty today, you need contentment just as much as those in need. Because that, that, that plenty is never plenty enough. That's the trap of the love of money. And for us to hear this is so important. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty, and I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Most overquoted scripture in all of sports, right? Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Look at the context of that. Strength to be content. Strength to be satisfied in the way God is leading and providing in our lives. Contentment is the key to freedom from the love of money. Now, go back to 1 Timothy 6 with me. You hanging with me? If I'm moving too fast, just yell at me and I'll probably ignore you, okay? 1 Timothy chapter 6. But godliness, this is verse 6, with contentment is great gain. This is that same word again, contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. I just want you to just settle your heart on that for a second. Basic theology right here. You are born with nothing, and you will leave this world with nothing. As much as our life gets caught up in getting and obtaining and succeeding and earning and, and, and making a difference and an impact and all these things that we long for, just settle your heart down for just a second. We brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Paul draws a line in the sand. Here's how Jesus' people view contentment. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Think about your list. My list is a little longer, Paul, than food and clothing. Amen? It's got a lot more items on there, like a house, like a car, like a nice car, like a car that works really good all the time, right? Like a, like a lot of food, not just a little food, but a lot of food, Paul, right? You, you think about like how Americanized our line is. There's something that you got to contrast in this conversation. You grew up American and it is what it is. You are what you are and that is fine. It's awesome to be an American. But you, you got to recognize though that that is not 
Scripture. American is not the Bible. You understand this, right? That this is a timeless truth that has lasted all of these crazy cultures that have come and gone through the course of the last couple thousand years. This scripture is going to be true when this country no longer operates the way it does right now. When your situation has changed completely from, from here to where it might be at some point. And it's really important that we anchor our souls on timeless truths, not on changing circumstances or economies or countries or leaders or different kind of things like that. It's so important that we just go, God, you said that food, food and clothing is what we're going to be content with. And as Jesus people, this is what we're going to be content with. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Again, it's a warning. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Contentment is the key to freedom. When you think about contentment, I, I want you to just hear this through a biblical lens that, that there is a sense of resolve in our heart that God is our provider and that he knows what's best for our lives. He has a plan. He made us for his plan. He saved us for his purposes, not our own purposes. He set us free so that we can walk in the freedom that he saved us from so that we can become who he made us to be, that God is the one that orders these steps. And so contentment is just a peace-filled heart that is prioritized by God and God's priorities. He may tell you to go start that business. He may tell you to invest in that thing. He may tell you that that is how he is gonna take care of your family, and that is awesome. It is not wrong to have a lot. It is not wrong to make all those monies, whatever. But the important piece is that a content people are led by God. There is a humility in our hearts that says, God, you are my provider. I'm not my provider. You are the one that's in charge of this life, and I am trusting you. There's a settledness about us. That is contentment. That is the kind of heart that leads us to freedom. That is the kind of people that we want to be. Contentment, it doesn't just like come like, all right, today is my content kind of stake in the ground. Everything's better. I was thinking about how alluring money is. And how sometimes it's not like to get rich, it's just like to get enough. I was thinking about how many times God has been faithful in my family. Uh, places where, you know, his provision has just been so miraculous. A, a random envelope on the porch or a, um, an unexpected, you know, thing from the, the mortgage company or something that you just can't explain. And, and I think about over time how we've, we as a family have developed kind of a muscle of like, God is our provider, God is faithful. But that muscle is not an easy muscle to develop. And even as my wife and I were talking yesterday, it's like, oh, like oh. financially, it's like we hate preaching on money because that means we have to learn more about money personally, right? It's not like this is just like some distant thing. It's very real for my family. But I think the thing that, that is so cool is when I look back, I go, man, God was working this into my life early on. Uh, going to a private school, I had no idea. I was a public school kid. God called me to ministry, and the only ministry school I had heard of was this big, fancy, private education place. And I dove in there because God told me to be a pastor, and that's where they train pastors. And so here I go. I'm going to school full-time. I'm working full-time. I'm interning three days a week. I don't even know how I survived that kind of a schedule. 
And yet, through it all, I remember being these places where I'm like, God, could you just get this a little easier? Could you get this a little better? Could you get me through this a little simpler? Like, maybe just like, you know, all these kind of annoying people in class that they would like ask for prayer requests and then like, oh, I just want to say thank you to God. Like, this $3,000 check just showed up in my mail. You know, I'm like, I hate you. I love you, but I, <laughs> in the godly way, I just like, God, I want a check in the mail. Right? I want you to show up in a miraculous way. How many of us have prayed this way? God, would you just like, just drop it out of the sky? And you know what God would do? He would give me another shift at work. And I'm like, mm, I'm already tired. I'm already working full time. I'm already strong, you know, just as, as, as far out as I can go, God. And, and yet he would miraculously provide through another opportunity to work some more. And I, I think about the wisdom of scripture, Proverbs 13, 11, dishonest money, it dwindles away. But whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Can it be a lot by a lot? <laughs> no, little by little. This is, this is the kind of way this faithfulness. See, I wanted to get, get, get out of that situation quick, and God wanted to get character developed in this life. And the pressure of, of uncertainty and not sure how it's all going to go, that's what forges faith in the heart of a believer. If everything just went the way you want it to go all the time, you don't need to trust God. We're just self-reliant and self-dependent and in it for ourselves. But, but for you and I to have these moments where it's like, I don't know how it's going to go. God gets to show up in a way that his faithfulness just gets forged into our hearts. Proverbs 14, 23, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. This is another great warning in scripture where it's easy to just get caught up in the what ifs and the what's next and how awesome that will be. And it's all just a bunch of talk. And for many of us, we just got to settle in to the provision of God coming through showing up and showing up in a really faithful way to the place that he has put us in. See, contentment is us with this level of resolve and peace. God, this is the place you've put me. This is the job you've given me. These are the places that you want me to minister and to love and to serve God. And I am just going to be faithful with what you've given me. And when you open a door, when you give me another step to take, I will take that then. But until then, God, this is the way I am going to go. That's contentment, right? That is the kind of heart that God wants to put in us. A content heart is not trying to just get out of this situation quick. A content heart knows that God is going to provide, that God is going to lead, that God is going to open those doors. So how, how, how do we walk in contentment? How do we have contentment? If contentment is the key to freedom, how do we, how do we live content? I want you to look some more at 1 Timothy 6 with me because this passage is so good. Verse 17. Again, I'll just give you the context. Paul wrote this letter to his apprentice, Timothy, who is, right, is leading a church that Paul planted in Ephesus. You following with me? This is the apprentice, Timothy, receiving this letter, and then he's reading it to the church all throughout the city of Ephesus. And Ephesus uh, is a massive city. It's a trade hub. It is a big, kind of well-to-do, nice part of the world, it's much like maybe America. Like it, A lot of things work economically around here that don't work in other parts of the world. Things worked pretty well in Ephesus. Verse 17, he says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. I want you to hear this word, command. Not suggest, not just kind of hope people get it, but command. 
there's this, this tenor all throughout this passage of warning. Hang on, hang on, hang on. People are wandering away from Jesus. People are getting caught up in things that are, that are ruining their lives. They're, they're eager for money, and it's ruining them. So command these people who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. If you want to learn contentment, Paul is saying so simply here to Timothy, you got to command people to learn how to not put their hope in wealth. It is such an arrogant place to put your, help, your, your, your hope. It's because it's all about you and what you can accomplish and what you can make happen and what you can figure out in this life. And it is so important to stay humble. And contentment takes this humility to go, you know what? I'm not going to put my hope in what I can do in this life. I'm going to put my hope in the one who has been my provider and will be my provider. I'm going to put my hope in God. And for you and I just to go, okay, contentment starts with us going hope in God, real life. Put my hope in God. He is the author. He is the perfecter of this life, this faith. He is the one that has ordered your steps up to this point. He has given you the breath you've breathed. He has given you the days you've lived. He's given you the kids and the family. He's given you the job that you have. The skills to work the job that you have is all from God. This is why he's saying, don't get arrogant. You, you didn't put this all together. You didn't make this all happen. No, it's all from God. And so for you and I to recognize this, how slippery the slope is. Look at me, how successful. Look what I've done, what I've made. What I, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't get arrogant. Don't put your hope in wealth. Don't allow yourself to slide into that trap and the love of money, thinking that that is where you are going to find satisfaction. See, there's this warning of idolatry in this passage. Your hope does not belong in a thing, but only in God. Your hope will never be satisfied in a person, in an item, in a house, in a job, in a title, but only, only in God. That is idolatry to worship money and to think that it is the thing that's going to satisfy your soul, that position that amount of success. And Paul is saying, don't let people get there, Timothy. Don't let their hearts drift away from God that way. Put your hope in God. Money is so uncertain. This economy, you watch how quickly it's changed, right? You, you know how much things are different now than they were, and, and we have no idea what the future will hold. For us to try to figure that all out and manage that and put our hope in that is an endless thing that will lead to constant lack of contentment, massive amounts of anxiety. And God is saying, hey, I want my people to be free from that. I want you to be free from the love of money. I want you to be free from anxiety about the future. I want you to be walking with this confidence that I am your provider. I am the one that has ordained every step that you have taken, every breath that you have breathed, and I am going to get you where I want you to go. Would you just put your hope in God? And for you and I, man, that's such a freeing spot to live, isn't it? Oh, I don't, I don't got to make this life all happen. And what's so cool about the promise here in verse 17, look at the last phrase there. Put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. We're not putting our hope in like a misplaced place, a God that's out to get us. I don't know if you've thought about church, but I don't think about um, richly providing for my enjoyment. I don't think about God that way, do you? I mean, a lot of times when we think about spirituality and following Jesus, we think it's going to be hard, right? <laughs> like, 
welcome to real life. There's, <laughs> like, get ready, buckle up. Like, you know, there's this, there's this sense of like, grit your teeth. And, and, and Paul's like, hey, I'm asking you to put your hope in the God who loves to bless you, who loves to richly provide in your life for your enjoyment. Man, I, I would like to take that out of the Bible for most of my Christian practice and what I've experienced. But I think it's so important that we just stop on that and go, wow. Jesus, Jesus has this same tenor in Matthew chapter 5 and 6 when he's like, hey, he's teaching people actually about prayer. And he's like, hey, if you ask, you'll receive. If you knock, the door will be open. Uh, if, if you come after God this way, he's going to provide. He's like, listen, you guys are evil. <laughs> I love Jesus. You're evil. And you know how to give good gifts. If your kid asks for bread, you don't give him a rock. If your kid asks for, for, for a fish, you don't give him a snake. And you who are evil know how to give good gifts. How much more, your heavenly father, if one of his children asks him for provision in their life, does he not love to richly pour out that blessing in their life? And for you and I, just to settle our hearts and put our hope in God, man, he loves to provide. He loves to bless. He loves to order your steps and help you become who he made you to be. Does that mean it's going to go the way you want it to go? No, absolutely not. It is going to go the way God wants it to go in your life. And that is the humility that requires us to put our hope in God. God, you are the one that is the source. You are the one that is going to lead this life. I am going to be content, God, because my hope is in you. Amen? My hope is in you. Contentment comes as you put your hope in God. But look at verse 18. There's another piece here that's so good. He uses that word again, command. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Man, isn't that the issue? We think we're going to get the real life here. We think we're going to get the, the true, like, fulfillment here on this planet. And Paul's like, you're way too small-minded about this. You remember, you came into this world with nothing, and you're going to leave this world with nothing. You getting caught up in the here and the now and thinking that it's all going to be the way it needs to be for you and, and, and what all that. No, 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 no. You got, a, you got a much bigger story that you are being invited into, a story of God's kingdom advancing in people's lives. And so I want you to be rich. But I want you to be rich not in the way the world counts rich. I want you to be rich in good deeds and generosity and a willingness to share and a, and a heart that's sacrificial and a heart that's not stingy. But a heart that says, God has poured out so much grace, forgiveness on this life. God, how could I hold it as a container of your goodness and mercy, God, when you've, you've overflowed this life with your love and your grace, God, would you pour it through me to other people? And it may not just be rich. He doesn't say be rich in money. He says be rich in good deeds. Would you, God, give me time, energy, gifts, talent, finances, God, to get through me into other people's lives. God wants to get his grace through you to people around you. And you and I just being a container of his grace is stingy. Thank you, God, for saving me. We come and we sit in a seat and we wait for Jesus to come back. And we, this is our whole mission. Real life is to reach the world with this life-saving message of God's love for this entire planet. He died on a cross so 
every sinner could be made whole, so that every broken person could be healed. For you and I to hold on to that message is selfish. It's stingy. For you and I to know that, that God has called us out of that broken place so that we are free, we are content, we are generous with this message, we are generous with these lives. God is never gonna run out of provision and blessing that he wants to get in to your life through you to other people and for you and I to think it's gonna go away someday so I gotta hold on to it you are putting your hope in the wrong place and he's saying man command these people to be rich in a totally different way be rich in generosity and good deeds be rich in love mercy and meals to people's houses and notes in people's mailboxes in moments of maybe it's five bucks maybe it's 500 bucks whatever the amount is really doesn't matter you don't see any dollar signs in this conversation at all you see a heart a motive, a desire to be used by God, a desire to be God's people content with his provision in our lives. The passion that I have here is not about money. The passion I have here is freedom in your life. The, the energy, the, the, the excitement that you see me all rallied up here with is that, that you would walk free, that you would not be bound up from the love of money, trying to make it in this world, but that you would understand what he says here in verse 19, Oh, you have, you have an opportunity to lay up treasure for yourself as a firm foundation for the coming age. You have an opportunity to begin to invest. I mean, you think about investment, and you're looking at a 20-year, 30, 40-year, you know, accruing interest and all these things, and Paul's like, whoa, what about eternal? Like, think about this. You're laying a foundation. Think of, ah, this is crazy. Your money, your finances right now, you have an opportunity right now to really Think about this for a second. How I use my money now is actually going to be reflected in eternity. Think about that. It feels so temporary. It's just Costco pizza, Richie, right? One more slice. There's this, it's easy to shrink it down, but he's like, whoa, whoa. People who are generous, people who are rich in good deeds, run, they recognize something. That they're laying up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. The way that we use our money now or we're consumed by the love of money now or free and content now has an impact in eternity. And I think that's really sobering just to kind of settle your heart on for a second. Go, wow. I kind of thought of it as pretty temporary and just here and now. God's going, no, no, no. There's something bigger at stake here. I know it's hard to get there from here, wherever you are with finances and the love of money and this temptation to overspend and get yourself into debt or kind of become a slave to this thing, but there's this simple opportunity here to go, okay, God, I don't know how you get me from here, but, but you're calling me to take a step today. Content, put my hope in you begin to be rich in good deeds. Be rich in the way the, the kingdom is rich, not in the way the world is trying to be rich. God, would you show me how to get there from here? See, I believe God loves to honor that kind of a prayer, that kind of a heart, that, that ability to just evaluate your motives. I hope you hear this today. One, the love of money does not mean money is evil. It's a tool. It's, it's inanimate. The love of money is what leads to these evils and this trap. So the evaluation, again, is internal. It's not in your bank account. It's in your heart, your motives. 
It's an opportunity for us to go, wow, yeah, what is my motive? Where is my heart? What is it that, God, you are calling? Am I content with what you have given me? See, as a people, I believe that God wants us to be obedient, humble. He's going to speak to each of you individually about where you're at financially and what decisions you're making and how you prioritize things. But I think about 22 this year is an opportunity to walk in freedom, free from the love of free from this trap that is dragging us away. It's a chance for us to really evaluate our hearts right now and go, God, I want to be a, a person of contentment. I want to be a person of your kingdom. I want to be a person laying up treasure in heaven, not here on this planet. I brought nothing into this world. I'm not taking anything out of it, God. Would you give me wisdom and insight to see how these dollars and cents can be leveraged for your kingdom and souls to come to know you, lives to be changed, people to be healed, Eternity to be shaped through every dollar you give me, God. I want to pray for you. Would you stand to your feet with me today, real life? As I close in prayer, um, there'll be a chance right afterwards, this service for you to come forward. Some of our team is here today. We'd love to pray with you about anything going on in your life at all. A couple of things that I would really encourage you to come forward for is just any place that you sense God saying, hey, I'm lacking contentment, I'm struggling. Or maybe, maybe you're just really behind financially. You need a miracle of God's provision. He is so good. I want to pray with you about that. The other thing I want to call you forward about would be baptism. You're putting your faith in Jesus Christ right now. You're saying yes to his leadership. You want to be free and walk in that freedom. And baptism is that first step that says, I am yours, Jesus, and I declare that the old life is gone, this new life has come, I'm walking in the freedom that you've called me to. Jesus was baptized, he commands us to be baptized. Everybody in this church have been baptized into Jesus Christ and put their faith in him. So I wanna call you to that today. Let me pray. Lord, I just thank you for these moments together. I thank you for your church. God, what a cool day. people experiencing you, hearing your voice, knowing you're leading, sensing your direction. You're so faithful to provide. You're so faithful to speak. You're so faithful to lead, God. And you never stop. You never stop loving. You never stop being faithful, God. Thank you. I just pray, Jesus, right now, every heart that's unsettled or being convicted, God, that you'd give us courage to respond, give us courage to obey. God, any that are still bound up, God, I pray that you give them the courage to ask for help. God, any of those that, that, that need to be saved and need to be baptized today, God, I pray you give them the courage to respond to you today. Lord, we love you and we trust you. In your name, Jesus, amen. Man, I love you a ton in real life. I'm so thankful for you and being here today. If you got any of that stuff, giving envelopes, connection cards, all that stuff, you can drop them in the box as you leave today. Love for you to be with us tomorrow night at those Monday night groups. I would love to help you get connected in any group, anywhere. Stop by and talk to us in the lobby. Love you a ton. Come forward for any prayer right now. Love your life. Have an awesome week. Thanks so much for joining us on the Real Life Spokane podcast. We exist to reach this world for Jesus one person at a time. And you can help us do that by liking, sharing, or subscribing to this podcast. We love you so much, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.